0: Hey everyone! <laughs> Misty always laughs when I intro. Welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. I'm Misty Stinnett. And
1: I'm Michael Barbaro. And this is... The
0: Daily. Oh, wow. That was good. <laughs> I'm actually Lisa Linky. If you're joining for the first time, I was imitating Miss oh, I'm not Michael ended. Barbaro.
1: Did you believe me? Did mm-hmm. you think I was the New York Times journalist, Michael Barbaro?
0: None of us did. Thank you. That's mister okay. D. I'm, I'm Misty. Lisa Linky, and we are your co-hosts on this journey of self-help via podcast review. <laughs> Thank you. And this is the podcast where we uh, read
1: and review a popular self-help book each week so that you don't have to if yeah. you don't want to. Or if you love it, you can buy it, Mm -hmm. you can become a better person, or you can stay shitty. It's up to
0: you. (laughs) Who cares? But we're reading (laughs) the books so that you can get that life-altering perspective and advice that you've been craving or that people have been telling you, Jesus, get it together and change your life.
1: Yeah, we've all been there. We've been the people who say that and
0: the people who receive that. That's right. That's right. Now today, (laughs) dear, dear dear readers, is an interesting episode because you are... In the in the first half of a cliffhanger,
1: that's uh, to right. be continued. A Cliffhanger. Okay, so Misty,
0: yeah, what have you prepared for us today?
1: Okay, I'm super nervous. I just broke into a cold sweat. You're mm. welcome. I smell this it. is the sexiest self help podcast out there. Yes. Um, I'm really nervous. This is a major book. I am bringing you in what we think will be a two parter episode. It will be a two parter. Thank you. It'll be a two parter. A New Earth: Awakening to Your Life's Purpose by Eckhart Tolle. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Well, yeah. why did you choose
0: this book, Misty?
1: Uh, okay. So, for a few reasons. Um, I've been hearing about this book for a long time. Sure. Pretty sure my mom has bought me this book a few times. Okay,
0: <laughs> she needs you to be on a new earth,
1: and I—I I think she's bought me *The Power of Now*, mm-hmm. *The Untethered Soul*, mm. uh, which is not by Eckhart Tolle, but *The Power of Now* is, mm-hmm. and then *A New Earth*. And it's just something I wasn't drawn to, and even though I appreciated it, I just—I don't know. You have to be ready to read certain self-help books, or you won't receive the information. I think that's true of anything. I agree. So, um, I'm nervous. Which, okay, I'll tell you why when I tell you about the author, and then maybe you'll understand. Cool. Before we get into that, yes. what does the book look like? Oh, girl, it, um, so it is, I'm holding it, oh, I have to say this, everyone, I am so proud. I read this book, and I mean... Red, red.
0: She old school read it. She, I am
1: holding it in my hand. She retro with read it. One thousand uh, post-it note marker. Misty. Oh no, I just lost. <laughs> Y'all,
0: yeah. I need to tell you what just happened. Misty was no. so proud of reading the book that she flipped through, and a post-it note fell out, and the look of sheer terror on her face. You heard it when she went, "No."
1: Okay, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Now I'm terrified that uh, this is what happens when I get nervous. Uh, now I'm terrified that that one post-it was like the one quote that's gonna put
0: it all together. I'm you confident know what that I mean? the other 45 that I can see just no, from this side of the book You know what? Will do this it.
1: is great because this gives me an out because if none of this makes sense to you Who's all it's because of that one. It's this, this guy. Okay so aside <laughs> okay. from the fact
0: that Misty's book is now missing okay, one. I'm
1: holding the actual paper back in my hands. Yes. The cover is really beautiful. It almost looks like um, Like a fire. It's like light yellow in the middle, and then it gets like a darker ombre orange on the yeah. outside. It looks like it's a warm ember glowing. Like a sun. Yep. And it says, the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Power of Now, A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose, 10th Anniversary Edition with a new preface by the author. I love it. How
0: many pages is it?
1: This book is 309 309- Pages. Wow, nine mm-hmm. times.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm very excited. Um, you want to tell us about the author, and that is going to help explain That's why right. you wanted to read this. That's
1: right. Okay. So this is from uh, his website, EckhartTolle.com, mm-hmm. and Wikipedia. Eckhart is a spiritual teacher and author who was born in Germany and educated at the Universities of London and Cambridge. One night in 1977, at the age of 29, after having suffered from long periods of depression, Mm -hmm. Tolle was ready to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. That night, he awakened from his sleep suffering from feelings of depression that were almost unbearable his words but then experienced a life-changing epiphany recounting the experience he says quote i couldn't live with myself any longer and in this a question arose without an answer who is the i that cannot live with the self What is the self? I felt drawn into a void. I didn't know at the time that what really happened was the mind-made self, with its heaviness, its problems, that lives between the unsatisfying past and the fearful future, collapsed. It dissolved. The next morning, I woke up, and everything was so peaceful. The peace was there because there was no self, just a sense of presence or beingness, just observing and watching." The next few years were devoted to understanding, integrating, and deepening that transformation, which marked the beginning of an intense inward journey. Later, he began to work in London with individuals and small groups as a counselor and spiritual teacher. Eckhart shares his time between British Columbia, Canada, Canada, and California. Eckhart Tolle is the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Power of Now, translated into 33 languages, and the highly acclaimed follow up, A New Earth, which are widely regarded as two of the most influential spiritual books of our time. Side note I had no idea that this was sort of like a sequel. To the Power of Now. Mm-hmm. I have not read The Power of Now. Okay. I have only read this book. I did try to listen to the audiobook of The Power of Now a few years ago, but I could not stand Eckhart Tolle's voice. Okay. Yes. Okay. Anybody out there with me? Um Eckhart's profound yet simple teachings have already helped countless people throughout the world find inner peace and greater fulfillment in their lives. Again, this is from his website. At the core of the teachings lies the transformation of consciousness, a spiritual awakening that he sees as the next step in human evolution. An essential aspect of this awakening consists in transcending our ego-based state of consciousness. This is a prerequisite not only for personal happiness, but also for the ending of violence on our planet. Quote, I keep Eckhart's book at my bedside. I think it's a, it's essential spiritual teaching. It's one of the most valuable books I've ever read. End quote. Oprah.
0: I got to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I already hate it. now. I know. I figured. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I'm curious. I, I still don't understand, and this is a question you always ask and yeah. I value it. Yeah. What are his credentials other than, because mm-hmm. what I've heard a lot is his experience and what he did with that. But I yeah. don't know, like, is he a Ph.D.? Is he...
1: Yeah, from what I can tell, what he was studying at Cambridge was not, like, spirituality mm-hmm. or philosophy. I'd have to look. He you don't have he, to. I just... No, he I does... find it
0: interesting that that's not part of no, his he, website. No, he does
1: talk about it. And he was actually at Cambridge at the same time that Stephen Hawking was there, uh, which is one of the stories in the books. Um, that's a great question. I think it's more just that his words have resonated with people and he had this horrifying experience of going from being ready to commit suicide to living in this like peaceful, loving, incredible state. But that's yeah. a great that's a great question. I felt
0: like I was covering that when I made these notes, but apparently I wasn't. <laughs> that's probably that one. That's that one. Uh, it was the one, one post-it note post-it that note. flew out that well, time. Well, I only ask that just because I don't understand what his background is. Yeah. And also, I have tried to read some Eckhart Tolle uh, mm-hmm. in, the pra- in the past, being yeah. a loyal devotee of Oprah. Mm-hmm. Um, I find the way that he speaks. It's, it's he just infuriating. He travels around an eddy of his own well, he making also, it's a lot not just like no, this. not his voice but mm. the the way that he words phrases yeah are, are it seems purposefully difficult to understand
1: yes there and was that yes
0: bothers the fuck out yes me. and
1: as a matter of fact somebody who saw me reading this a friend of mine said oh i'm glad you're reading this one because this one is supposed to be the more accessible one than the power of now so maybe, maybe that's why
0: I couldn't get through the power. Yeah, command.
1: and I couldn't it also it's very heady stuff because uh-huh. there's not a lot of language to necessarily explain or encapsulate what spirituality is or a lot of the concepts he talks about. But we'll we will dive into that Great. and we'll get there. Well, I look forward to it. Do you wanna
0: tell us the prices for the
1: book or do I, you want to? I wait? do, okay. I do, but I wanna um I just wanna say first that Oprah has dedicated 10 yep. full episodes of her Super Soul Conversations podcast to this book mm-hmm. and by the time this episode comes out all of those will will be complete so there's actually one for each chapter of the book um which is why we're doing it in a two-parter because if Oprah needs 10 episodes we sure shit need more than one so, I was gonna say
0: we can probably do it in two that's
1: right <laughs> <laughs> so she and Eckhart Tolle basically go chapter by chapter they answer reader questions and discuss the philosophies of the book so as you're listening along today with us if there's anything that you're like wait a second what or I want to know more etc cetera. I highly recommend you check out um, Oprah's Super Soul Conversations podcast. It's great. Um, I have not listened to every episode of those because I wanted my own – opinions of the book before we did this review. So um, I also just want to say first impressions. So when I first picked up the book, uh, A, I couldn't believe I had an actual book in my hands. It was uh-huh, dope. Uh-huh. And
0: <laughs> when you I, were like, well, what do I do with it?
1: Yeah. And when <laughs> Where I, do I s- turn it on, that's yeah, I, I couldn't I, I plugged it in and nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. Um, so when I started reading, I immediately understood why this book is so popular. It. Seems to strike a perfect balance between being practical. Like, it, it's practical because it offers practical steps to achieve everything he writes about. Okay. It doesn't subscribe to a particular religious viewpoint. Well, no isms. Right. But he does incorporate teachings of Zen, Buddhism, Christianity, and other religions. um And shows how they share a lot of the same fundamental ideas or, as he says a lot in the book, this is how this thing that like a disciple of Jesus said was mistranslated Uh and what it actually means is this Uh and does it in a way where it just feels like all of the religions are talking about the same thing, Uh which I thought was really cool because – I'm not a religious person because I do feel that religion can be so divisive. But he does a great job of going, oh, no, this is where religion went off track. But the the original, you know, what they meant by it originally was this and it's actually this message, yeah, which was really interesting. Um, So it felt accessible no matter what religion you are. It's also great for people who are not religious or who lean against organized religion Ooh. because totally dissects where they went wrong and how they've abused power. So it's like a very practical form of woo woo, So it is pieces that appeal to both practical patties and woo-woo wandas, as we like to call them. We do like
0: to call it that. Uh,
1: um, And although it takes a lot of context to explain the history of these teachings and what the current state of humanity is and how that came to be, which is what he spends a lot of time on, the heart of Tully's message is actually really simple. So this is why I think it's so popular because it's (laughs) kind of like everybody can access it from where they are. Okay, great. Well, I look forward to it. Um, I also, uh, in my notes, I said, this book is dense. Mm -hmm. So the human brain, as you may know, learns in story format. Mm -hmm. There are not a ton of stories in this book. Why?
0: I know. Why? So I
1: was finding that after I read 30 or 40 pages, I needed a break to absorb the information and rest my mind because it was not really in like a narrative way.
0: See, that just makes me mad. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. If your, if your message is so important, Pay attention to the audience, not to how you want to say it. All right, I'm getting off. Well, I think it's not
1: even. I think it's. I I mean, he he definitely sprinkles metaphors and 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 stories in there, but it's just like every single sentence feels like it's dropping some like profound truth. So it's it's just a lot. And I also wanted to take a moment to you, Lisa, Mm. to talk about. Uh, my experience actually reading this book since I always do audiobooks. Yes, tell
0: me. Tell so me.
1: Normally, when I listen to an audiobook, I'm multitasking. Yeah. Right? Or I'm like triple tasking. I'm cleaning the house, I'm driving, walking, I'm being productive. Um, but with actually reading this book, I had to sit down, mm-hmm. get comfortable, mm-hmm. be quiet, be present with what I was reading. Um, I couldn't clean and read at the same time. I couldn't drive and read at the same time. The sun, at least it. not for long, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, and I was surprised by how energized I felt just from slowing down and reading because it forced me to be still. Cool. And that's something I really need. Yeah. so uh, I, I was kind of at a, a breaking point when I was reading this book, and I, I thought, how can I use the podcast instead of adding more work? How can I use this in my benefit, you know, in mm-hmm. a benefit to sort of slow me down? So that was very fucking cool. Okay, so, we're gonna dive into the book summary. Uh, do you want to tell me about the prices? Oh yeah, sorry, sorry.
0: Why I, are you sorry? Because I, I plan to do
1: that at the end. Uh, uh, the hardcover is twenty two dollars and fifty nine cents. Mm-hmm. The paperback is twelve seventy five. I actually walked into the Century City Mall. There is an Amazon bookstore, like a brick and mortar bookstore. How dare they? I know. I know. And I even said to the guy, I was like, oh, interesting. You drive all the other bookstores out of business and then you open your own. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, cool, (laughs) cool. like,
0: I'm making minimum wage. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: Poor guy. The Kindle Mm $13.99 and the audiobook
0: Mm $16.59. And on the Overdrive app, it's free, baby. Amazing. Okay, cool. Thank you. But again, I, you know. Well, I just like to know how much I'm paying for this brilliance. Yeah, thank you. And Mm -hmm.
1: I, I think it might also be a little bit more expensive now because it's like the 10th anniversary and Oprah's doing her thing so I think it's sort of like on a a height of popularity.
0: It's got the Oprah bump.
1: Yeah. So something this book says before I tell you about the 10 chapters, something this book says once or twice that I found interesting is that not everyone is ready for this book.
0: Thank you. If He's giving book, me permission to back out. That's
1: right. If this book is, he says, if this book is meaningless to you or doesn't make a ton of sense, then you're not ready for it. And uh, my notes are, judgments about that aside, I do find it to be true that you can try and impart all the wisdom in the world to someone else. Like, think about a teenager. You're trying to, like, give them yeah. hard-learned lessons.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, you can share all the wisdom you want, but until they're ready, they won't actually hear it. Yeah. So it it just reminds me of the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And I think that's true of all self-help. Like, none of it will be useful for you in any way unless you're actually open to receiving it.
0: Maybe that's why I'm struggling. (laughs) You're just like a brick wall. Well, yes. And inherent in that statement, it implies that he's like, I know everything. And if you don't understand, it's your fault.
1: Okay. There are 10 chapters— The flowering of human consciousness. No. (laughs) Thank you. Ego, the current state of humanity. The core of ego. Role-playing, the many faces of the ego. The pain body, breaking free, finding who you truly are, the discovery of inner space, your inner purpose, and a new earth.
0: Now, on the inner space chapter, will that be about Dennis Quaid and Martin Short and that terrible movie from the late 80s, early 90s? Because that was amazing. Have you
1: read this book? (laughs) Because it sounds, it sounds like you have. <laughs>
0: well, thank you. Okay, so let's dive into here's a new porth. A thing, a new port. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is a callback to the charisma myth episode. Listen, if, they don't if you don't, know, don't get it, go back if, and listen. If they don't
0: know, they weren't ready to receive you the message. You can
1: in on these podcasts, but listen, it's really serialized. Yeah,
0: if you don't know, and then if you don't if know, you
1: know, now you know. Thank you. Um, this is in the preface. Just as the caterpillar becomes dysfunctional shortly before it undergoes its metamorphosis into a butterfly, the egoic state of consciousness, which is still more prevalent than the awakened consciousness in most countries and organizations.
0: Listeners, (laughs) dear listeners, I just need for you to know what's happening right now, which is that... Misty's post-its were not so much post-its as they were just little slips of paper with very well, I little Well, was trying gum. to say paper so I cut very, a bunch of post Listen, I love what you did and then what has happened is every time she turns a page, one of these falls out and she just, the look on her face as it falls into her lap or on the floor is like equal parts horror and like genuine surprise and disappointment. It's... I have to tell you, from the other side of the table, the the Schadenfreude Listen. is so delicious.
1: Oh, thank you, The Schadenfreude. What a pal. Okay, so I I'm mortified because this is, as I just said, it's like one of the leading spiritual books of our time, and I prepared so much. I'm gonna put a, I'm gonna put a photo of the before and after on the book before I got my hands on it, and after filled yeah. with purple post its. Um, and but, let's just
0: say. I struggle with the way that he writes cuz I feel like he writes in circles and I don't understand what he's sure, saying. And so sure. according to him that means that I'm not ready to get the message.
1: It might be. Lisa. Oh fuck maybe you. Maybe you're Misty. not ready.
0: Fuck you. <laughs> I love writing them out. Let's
1: see if what i flagged resonates with you. Thank so these you. are just the things I flagged. So um one of the big things he talks about is presence. Presence and being in the moment is like one of the greatest things we can do. So um, this is on page four. Once there is a certain degree of presence, of still and alert attention in human beings' perceptions, they can sense the divine life essence, the one indwelling consciousness or spirit in every creature, every life form, recognize it as one with their own essence and so love it as themselves. So basically he's saying to us that... Being still and being present is how you get more connected great. with the world around why you, right? I didn't need to say that? See, it's not so bad. Yeah. Um, when you so this it. is a section called The Purpose of This Book. Oh, great. This book's main purpose is not to add new information or beliefs to your mind or to try to convince you of anything, but to bring about a shift in consciousness, that is to say, to awaken. This book is about you. It will change your state of consciousness or it will be meaningless. It can only awaken those who are ready. An essential part of the awakening is the recognition of the unawakened you, the ego as it thinks, speaks, and acts, as well as the recognition of the collectively conditioned mental processes that perpetuate the unawakened state.
0: I am lost.
1: Oh. So, basically, he is saying... In order to become more enlightened, you have to first acknowledge that you're in an unawakened state and that you have an ego who's, like, seeking other things other than spiritual enlightenment. Okay. Why didn't he just say that? Listen, because people who are super, super intelligent or in touch are not necessarily the best writers in the world or the best communicators. You know what I mean? Okay. It's it's kind of like... Uh, like I know a lot of brilliant TV writers in this town who are such talented writers, but show business is also a business and they're terrible at the business part so they have to hire someone else to do that. It's like yeah. just cuz you you have artistry in some way
0: or knowledge yeah. in some way doesn't mean you're
1: good at the other part.
0: I just also feel like he would have benefited from like a ghostwriter.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think so. I'm d-
0: uh, I'm just trying to speak genuinely. No, thank you. Because I don't disagree with what he's saying. But truthfully, yeah. the run-on sentences are a lot. Are, that's my stomach, well, if you can hear it, because we, we had, had pizza. delicious pizza. Um, it is so yeah. hard for me to understand what he's saying because he he, uh, it's just hard. Well, I'm just saying it. I'm putting I it out agree, there. It's hard.
1: I agree. And I'm going to do my best to try and dis- distill this down as we go. Look, you're doing great. I'm just Thank saying you. to you, I... I uh, okay. Thank you. Um, So he goes on to say, basically, this book is going to show you the main aspects of the ego, Mm -hmm. how they operate within you, Mm -hmm. as well as in the collective consciousness, like in society. Okay. um, Which is great. And he says this is important for two related reasons. The first is that unless you know the basic mechanics behind the workings of the ego, you won't recognize it, and it will trick you into identifying with it again and again. Just becoming aware, right? Okay. Um, The second reason is that the act of recognition— of recognition itself is one of the ways in which awakening happens. When you recognize the unconsciousness in you, that which makes the recognition possible, is the arising con- consciousness. Is the awakening. You cannot fight against the ego and win, just as you cannot fight against darkness. The light of consciousness is all that is necessary. You are that light.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I look terrified because. So let me just see if I understand what he's saying. Yeah the act of the act of becoming aware isn't just like a light switch it's constantly doing it over and over and over and over and over again and that's this this process
1: what i understand it to mean uh do you meditate or have you meditated yeah do you know how when you see a thought come in and you're just like okay i see a thought i'm gonna let it go Uh i'm recognizing that thought
0: Uh and that doesn't happen at the beginning that takes practice to get to that right
1: yeah so but basically just like noticing the ego is the first step in disidentifying with it
0: okay yeah. See, it's not so bad. Well, yeah. <laughs> it just took you to translate it. He's his own language. Um, Tollish.
1: It is a little bit. It's, yeah, Tolish. He says human beings are suffering from a kind of collective insanity. Great. If the history of humanity—this is on page 11. This I'm quoting him. If the history of humanity were the clinical case history of a single human being, the diagnosis would have to be— chronic paranoid delusions, a pathological propensity to commit murder and acts of extreme violence and cruelty against his perceived enemies, his own unconsciousness projected outward, C- criminally insane with a few brief lucid intervals. Sure. So basically he talks about how everyone in the world has sort of bought into this insane, like we're, we're not acting at the truth of who we are. Which I will get to. I'm okay. jumping ahead whole time. Um, so he says, you do not become good by trying to be good, but by finding the goodness that is already within you and allowing that goodness to emerge.
0: Okay, that's beautiful and succinct. Isn't that great?
1: That but, was not in Tolish. Yep, that's right. But it can only emerge if something fundamental changes in your state of consciousness. Okay. So that's basically what this book is about. Great. So this section is called The Arising New Consciousness. In Hindu teachings and sometimes in Buddhism also, this transformation is called enlightenment. Sure. In the teachings of Jesus, it is salvation. And in Buddhism, it is the end of suffering. Liberation and awakening are other terms used to describe this transformation. Um, So that's basically what he's trying to get us to is this awakened transformative state. Thank you. So in chapter 2.
0: D-d-d-dang. Thank
1: you. Ego, the current state of humanity. Oh, and I should say, this book is so dense. If I were to really try to cover every single chapter, this would be a nine hour podcast. What I a mean, great
0: exercise for you, having read it. Yeah. And then having to try to it. interpret
1: it. And I'm not an expert. I read this a couple weeks ago. You Listen, know what I mean?
0: Like apparently neither is he. I don't even know what he studied at Cambridge.
1: I will I will find out and we'll put it in the show notes. All right. Um so just know that if you're sparking to anything in this book, I highly recommend you read it. If you're already hating it, you might want to just skip this episode, y'all. Um so I'm just gonna read excerpts so that we can kind of talk about his main ideas. So this is ego, the current state of humanity. Words, no matter whether they are vocalized and made into sounds or remain unspoken as thoughts, can cast an almost hypnotic spell upon you. You easily lose yourself in them, become hypnotized into implicitly believing that when you have attached a word to something, you know what it is. The fact is, you don't know what it is. You have only covered up the mystery with a label. Everything, a bird, a tree, even a simple stone, and certainly a human being, is ultimately unknowable." This is because it has unfathomable depth. All we can perceive, experience, think about is the surface layer of reality, less than the tip of an iceberg. Underneath the surface appearance, everything is not only connected with everything else, but also with the source of all life out of which it came. Even a stone, and more easily a flower or a bird, could show you the way back to God, to the source, to yourself. When you look at it or hold it and let it be without imposing a word or mental label on it, a sense of awe of wonder arises within you. Its essence silently communicates itself to you and reflects your own essence back to you. This is why he says humans love being in nature or that feeling you get when you're standing on the beach and you see an incredible sunset or like you talked about on a previous minisode sode, just like seeing a vista in front of you and feeling connected. He's saying those moments are when we are feeling what we truly are, which he believes is all connected to the source or God or whatever you'll call it of life. Mm-hmm. So he says, when you don't cover up the, the world with words and labels, a sense of the miraculous returns to your life that was lost a long time ago. A depth returns to your life. Things regain their newness, their freshness, and the greatest miracle is the experiencing of your essential self as prior to any words, thoughts, mental labels, and images. For this to happen, you need to disentangle your sense of I, of beingness, from all the things it has become mixed up with, that is to say, identified with. That disentanglement is what this book is about.
0: So wait, he wants me to stop using all the labels that I have for things? Like I can't call a bird a bird, I can't call a book a book?
1: No, you totally you totally can. But he's saying you need to disentangle your uh your sense of yourself, like your true self, from the things it has attached to. It'll make more sense. So
0: get rid of my own labels for myself.
1: Sort of. <laughs> You'll see. It's all listen, it's Will I? it's all about I recognizing you. your ego and what it wants and detaching from that so that you can just be who you are. Who he says you really are. Dear reader,
0: I invite you to place a bet. Are
1: you with us, everyone? About whether How's or not at the going? end of these two episodes, How I I'll,
0: I'll, 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 I'll understand.
1: So, the quicker you are in attaching verbal or mental labels to things, people, or situations, the more shallow and lifeless your reality becomes, and the more deadened you become to reality, the miracle of life that continuously unfolds within and around you.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Does it? <laughs> yeah, why do you have to say all that other stuff? I don't know. <laughs>
1: Um, so this is content and structure of the ego. We are on page 35 already. The unconscious compulsion to enhance one's identity through association with an object is built into the very structure of the egoic mind. One of the most basic mind structures through which the ego comes into existence is identification. The word identification is derived from the Latin word idem, meaning same, and facere, which means to make. So when I identify with something, I make it the same. The same as what? The same as I. I endow it with a sense of self, and so it becomes part of my identity. One of the most basic levels of identification is with things. My toy later becomes my car, my house, my clothes, and so on. I try to find myself in things, but never quite make it and end up losing myself in them. That is the fate of the ego. Okay. (laughs) I feel like I highlighted things that made sense to me with more context and I'm not doing Maybe this is this no, is listen. the episode where we learn I need to listen to
0: audiobooks. No, let me tell you. I'm not ready for this message. It's probably resonating with everybody who is enlightened and ready to go. And I'm just some jackhole piece of shit. you not. Who isn't ready for any kind of enlightenment. It and I'm made fine to me with When that. I was reading it, and, and now I'll, a couple of weeks later, okay, listen,
1: you will you will agree with this next sentence because you've said it yourself. Mm. Uh, so he's talking about he's talking about identification with things and yep. how the ego does that. Because yep. we want to understand the ego yep. if we are to ever become enlightened or more connected. Great. Identification with things. The people in the advertising industry know very well that in order to sell things that people don't really need, they must convince them that those things will add something to how they see themselves or are seen by others. In other words, add something to their sense of self. Um, and so in many cases, you are not buying a product but an identity enhancer. Sure. Right? Right? Paradoxically, what keeps the so-called consumer society going is the fact that trying to find yourself through things doesn't work. The ego satisfaction is short-lived, and so you keep looking for more, keep buying, keep consuming. Of course, in this physical dimension that our surface selves inhabit, things are a necessary and inescapable part of our lives. We need housing, clothes, furniture— tools, transportation. There may also be things in our lives that we value because of their beauty or inherent quality. We need to honor the world of things, not despise it. But we cannot really honor things if we use them as a means to self-enhancement, that is to say, if we try to find ourselves through them. This is exactly what the ego does. Ego identification with things creates attachment to things, obsession with things, which in turn creates our consumer society and economic structures where the only measure of progress is always more. The unchecked striving for more, for endless growth, is a dysfunction and a disease. It is the same dysfunction the cancerous cell manifests, whose only goal is to multiply itself, unaware that it is bringing about its own destruction by destroying the organism of which it is a part. I agree. Thank you. I thought you might. Did we get you back? She looks back. (laughs) She looks back. Okay. Whatever the ego seeks and gets attached to are substitutes for the being that it cannot feel. So he's saying Mm -hmm. that when we feel detached from our true essence and the world around us. We substitute with things. Exactly. You can value and care for things, but whenever you get attached to them, you will know it's the ego. And you are never really attached to a thing, but to a thought that has I, me, or mine in it. Whenever you completely accept a loss, you go beyond ego and who you are. The I am, which is consciousness itself, emerges. Sometimes letting things go is an act of far greater power than defending or hanging on. Life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know this is the experience you need? Because this is the experience you are having at this moment. Is this making sense?
0: Yes. Now, you know I'm going to say, why then do certain groups of people get to experience systemic forms of oppression? Is that what their consciousness needs?
1: He does tackle things like oppression and, like, he calls that, like, a sickness in society, basically. Uh, Yeah. That's just what came up. That's – yeah. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. I think – In context, it makes a lot of sense in the story he's telling. Sure. I couldn't answer that question. I I totally agree. Great. The ego tends to equate having with being. I have, therefore I am. And the more I have, the more I am. The ego lives through comparison. How are you seen by others, or how you are seen by others, turns into how you see
0: yourself. Listen, I could not agree with this more. Mm -hmm. The first time you have a quote-unquote real job Mm -hmm. and you get a business card, there is a feeling of like— I am someone right uh, now. I yeah. have a business card. Mm-hmm. I have. I am like. I am here. I have. I have valid. You know. Yeah. I have. I have proof that I am here. Yeah. And it's so stupid.
1: It is so stupid. But it's also like uh, when I'm. You know. When I first started buying nice shoes. You know. When I when I had a steady job for the first time and I moved to Los Angeles and I was like, you know what? I'm no longer gonna buy Target sandals that wear out. You know. After. <laughs> Two months of wear or whatever. Fuck and you, I, I just symbols. thought, I'm going to buy like a nice pair of shoes, mm-hmm. the kind that I could get resold mm-hmm. after a mm-hmm. while. Um, and it did give me like a sense of, they're mm-hmm. an outward symbol. And it mm-hmm. felt like, oh, I walk into a room and people know that I'm wearing nice shoes. Because and they, they can hear me, me coming like, all the way down the hall. hall. Oh, my God. All those wooden heeled boots are click, so long. Click, click, click. click, 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 click. Yeah. Clack, no, that, make, that
0: makes perfect sense. Yeah. And and I think that's also part of the society that we're in, this consumer society, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's all of that. I agree.
1: Yeah. So he says, how do you let go of attachment to things?
0: I don't know, Eckhart. Tell me. He
1: says, don't even try. It's impossible. Okay. Attachment to things (laughs) drops away by itself when you no longer seek to find yourself in them. Oh, that makes sense. In the meantime, just be aware of your attachment to things. Sometimes you may not know that you are attached to something until you lose it or there is the threat of loss. If you then become upset anxious and so on it means you are attached if you are aware that you are identified with a thing the identification is no longer total i am the awareness that is aware that there is an attachment excuse me (laughs) that's the beginning of the transformation of consciousness
0: i'm gonna need you to repeat that sentence so i am the awareness
1: i am the awareness that is aware that there is an attachment. So,
0: you see why I hate this guy. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, do you ever think... Oh, that was a weird thought I just had. What? No, do you ever think <laughs> that? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no.
0: That was 100% genuine. That was genuine. acting. <laughs> Thank you. No, it wasn't. Maybe that was I should pursue a career. <laughs> 100% genuine. You I love should. you. Um, I do have that. Th- Actually, I've, I've let that go because I know that I have weird thoughts. Well, not, not
1: even... Uh, that's just an example. So, the you inside that's going... Oh, that was a weird thought I just had. That's an observer. That's the observer he keeps talking about in your mind, your true self. Sure. Who is observing your mind? So basically like there's the ego, which is the one having the thoughts, and then there's your true self, which is the one observing the thoughts. Is this making This is this is heady stuff. It's simple and it. How
0: many people are up in my fucking head just tell me right now? Two? Ego and observer or is there more?
1: There's a true self. Nope. And then there's the mind. Oh, my God. I'm so not qualified to
0: do this book. Let's keep going. You're, you're, listen. Free you to are, fail. Hey, you are qualified to talk about this book Thank because you. it's marketed to you. Thank you.
1: So the true you is awareness.
0: That's the person who said that was a weird thought.
1: That's aware that there's attachment to a thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm in an Escher painting.
1: Yeah. Um, I I'm going to find a better example.
0: There the true you mm-hmm. is the awareness. Yes, that you're aware of a thing. Yeah. Did I say that right? I think so.
1: <sighs> Someone rewind a few times and let us know. <laughs> so he says no ego can last for long without the need for more. And this just keeps making me think of like so one of my favorite stores to shop at is Madewell. Because they always have crazy good sales. And I always feel like I'm getting a bargain. Because there will be like leather mules that are normally $268 on sale for like 45 oh, And I'm like, oh, this sale? is amazing. Well, I don't know. Um, but I'm always so excited to get that pair of shoes or that pair of jeans on sale. And it's great. And I feel great in them. And it's great. And then I wear them like three or four times. And then I'm like, cool. What's the next new cool pair uh, of shoes? And it's like that. That sounds really trite because I'm just a you know dumb white girl talking about made well purchases, but like you are a
0: smart white girl.
1: Thank you. Um, but that's what it reminded me of. I we yeah. always want more. Yeah. The, I I never find myself in those shoes. Okay. If I did, uh, I wouldn't need to get them resold. No. You're welcome. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No content will satisfy you as long as the egoic structure remains in place. No matter what you have or get, you won't be happy. You will always be looking for something else that promises greater fulfillment, that promises to make your incomplete sense of self complete and fill that sense of lack you feel within. Okay. So, cool. Got it. Yeah. Something I do find is that these subjects are really heavy in this or heady in this book, but he does repeat himself a lot, yeah. which is a strength and a weakness of this book.
0: Yeah, sometimes in the same sentence.
1: Thank you. Uh, identification with the body. Apart from objects, another basic form of identification is with, quote, my body. Firstly, the body is male or female, and so the sense of being a man or woman takes up a significant part of most people's sense of self. Gender becomes identity. Identification with gender is encouraged at an early age, and it forces you into a role into a con- into conditioned patterns of behavior that affect all aspects of your life, not just sexuality. It is a role many people become completely trapped in, even more so in some of the traditional societies than in Western culture, where identification with gender is beginning to loosen somewhat. In some traditional cultures, the worst fate a woman can have is to be unwed or barren and for a man to lack sexual potency and not be able to produce children. Life's fulfillment is perceived to be fulfillment of one's gender identity. Mm -hmm. For many people, their sense of self-worth is intimately bound up with their physical strength, good looks, fitness, and external appearance. Many feel a diminished sense of self-worth because they perceive their body as ugly or imperfect. If you don't equate the body with who you are, when beauty fades, vigor diminishes, or the body becomes incapacitated, this will not affect your sense of worth or identity in Mm -hmm. any way. Mm -hmm. In fact, as the body begins to weaken, the formless dimension, aka the light of consciousness, can shine more easily through the fading form. He says you can just as easily identify with a problematic body and make the body's imperfection, illness, or disability into your identity. You may then think and speak of yourself as a sufferer of this or that chronic illness or disability. You receive a great deal of attention from doctors and others who constantly confirm to you your conceptual identity as a sufferer or a patient. You then unconsciously cling to the illness because it has become the most important part of who you perceive yourself to be. Once the ego has found an identity, it does not want to let go. Amazingly, but not infrequently, the ego in search of a stronger identity can and does create illnesses in order to strengthen itself through them.
0: Is he pulling a gay handrex right now? No. Okay. I don't think so. A little bit.
1: Feeling the inner Hold on, I just want to react for a second Um,
0: I I think that's very insightful I remember uh, my first therapist Trying to explain to me That I am not my body And that made no sense to me Mm. Um, uh, And then um, What she said was Well, say you got in a car accident And you uh, lost a limb Would you think that you were less of a person? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no And she's like, well then you are not your body Yeah You know, and working with a lot of other um, uh, individuals, I remember having to explain that to a a therapist as well, of saying, like, well, I am not my body, and they didn't understand that. And I used that exact same analogy, and that blew their minds away, and I was like, why am I here with you? Why am I sitting here? But also just kind of like, I I think that that is to be in the state of realizing that one's person, one's self, one's worth is not equated to their physical container. Mm Mm-hmm is still a very cutting-edge thing in yeah. our society.
1: It is. It really is. And, and as with most self-help books, just the idea of that is a mountain of self-actualization and work and continued work because yeah. if you don't live in a, a place where everybody views it that way, mm-hmm. you're going to have to constantly be practicing, okay, I'm not my body I, my value is not wrapped up in this, but mm-hmm. it's like, if everyone felt
0: that way, Botox wouldn't be a thing. Well, it's so you funny know, because like, when you disentangle yourself from that mm-hmm. and you stop buying into that, mm-hmm. it's actually a little more difficult <laughs> because then you suddenly realize that everybody else is doing it mm-hmm. and what they're focusing on and spending so much of their time yeah. and energy on, they just thrust on you and project yeah, on you. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. and so It's another it skill set
0: you have to develop. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The onus is on the person with the awareness a lot of the times. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's also what, what Eckhart, I think, would say is part of the collective insanity. Mm-hmm. We're all identifying with our, like, earthly forms yeah. rather than the consciousness yeah. that he says we are. Yeah. Um, so he says, although body identification is one of the most basic forms of ego, the good news is that it is also the one that you can most easily go beyond. This is done not by trying to convince yourself that you are not your body, <laughs> but by shifting your t- <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you Eckhart. I am Eckhart Tolle. It ain't Tolle. I'm fluent in
1: Tolese. Thank you. I thought it was Tolish, I'm down sounds delicious whipped cream on top but by shifting your attention from the external form of your body and from thoughts about your body like beautiful ugly strong weak too fat too thin or to the feeling of aliveness inside it Mm -hmm. no matter what your body's appearance is on the outer level beyond the outer form it is an intensely alive energy field um so he goes on to talk a little bit about inner body awareness. Mm-hmm. He says, what I call the inner body isn't really the body anymore, but life energy, the bridge between form and formlessness. So form is like the form that we take shape of as humans in the world. And formlessness is what some people might call your soul, right? Or your spirit. Okay, yeah. great.
0: I was ready for you to say form and function. I was Thank so you. ready Thank for Thank you it. so
1: much. Um, so he says, for example... See if you can feel the inner body whenever you listen to someone. So you walked us through this on a past episode where you were like, okay, sitting there, whatever you're doing right now, yeah. can you just become aware of the space between your thumb and your forefinger, right, like the webbing? right?" And I'm aware of that. And I feel more connected to my body just thinking about that. So it's, it's as simple as like...
0: That's the form. Yeah. Now, the formlessness... Yes. Is my spirit, my soul, my essence, right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Here, I will say, if you are not familiar with the inner body awareness, close your eyes for a moment and find out if there is life inside your hands. Don't ask your mind. It will say, I can't feel anything.
0: <laughs> Probably, it will also say... What, what do you mean? What is there life inside my hands? Yeah, yeah, Shut yeah, up. <laughs> uh. Probably,
1: your mind will also say, give me something more interesting to think about. <laughs> yeah. So instead of asking your mind... Go to the hands directly. By this, I mean become aware of the subtle feeling of aliveness inside them. It is there. You just have to go there with your attention to notice it. You may get a slight tingling sensation at first, then a feeling of energy or aliveness. If you hold your attention in your hands for a while, the sense of aliveness will intensify. Some people won't even have to close their eyes. They will be able to feel their inner hands at the same time as they read this. Then go to your feet, keep your attention there for a minute or so, and begin to feel your hands and feet at the same time. Incorporate other parts of the body, legs, arms, abdomen, chest, and so on, into that feeling until you are aware of the inner body as a global sense of aliveness. Lisa, tell me about your face,
0: because your your face is... (laughs) <laughs> I was with him until he said in her hands. And then I pictured those tiny baby hands. Thank you. That Kristen Wig always had. Yes. When she was like <laughs> yes. the third or fourth yes. sister. And they're doing, they're like, <laughs> like singing. clapping and the then bubbles. She, yeah. They're like, I'm Judy. I'm, you know, Sally. Yeah. And she's like, and I'm Terry from downstairs. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. something right like that. Like <laughs> that's literally what just happened when he said oh in her God. hands. I think what he means is like. For me, it wasn't a picture of inner hands. Yes. It was like a color or just kind of like a a, a, a a sensation.
1: Yes. And I can
0: see how over time practicing doing multiple parts of your body together yeah. would make you f- sense the whole aliveness. Yeah,
1: And th- this is where, like, he outlines practical steps. Like, he'll say, like, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. You need to disentangle from this if you want to reach a transformative state. Here's how – here's, like, a – here's a – Practice to start doing that. Mm-hmm. So he says, when you are in touch with the inner body, you are not identified with your body any- anymore, nor are you identified with your mind. Um, that is to say you are no longer identified with form, but moving away from form identification Toward formlessness, mm-hmm. which we may also call being with a capital B. It is your essence identity. Body awareness not only anchors you in the present moment, it is a doorway out of the prison that is the ego. Okay. So it's starting to go like, oh, okay, like my ego wants these things, I'm attached to things around me, I'm attached to my body. This is but he's saying none of this is who we really are.
0: Well, it it also makes sense. I don't hear him saying a lot of, and and again, you're just doing a great job of trying to really get the pith of um, each you. of these. Um, the core, the essence, the kernel, the nugget, mm-hmm. the espresso. Um Thank you. What I don't hear, and this may be true in the book, uh, he may address this, is that it's... N- it's in human being's nature. Oh, he does. Okay, yeah, to he identify does. with ego. That's like,
1: all the only way that I have to view the world. Totally. And he he says like this is necessary for survival. This yeah. is why this happens like he does a really good job of being like this is how we've evolved You're normal. and this is great. Right. Yeah, but in the process of, you know, the ego is what keeps us alive and not eaten. By predators, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But he just talks about how this has, as humans have evolved, our consciousness has gotten more and more and more tangled up in that so that we're further and further away from kind of like the wild, free, you know, non-identifying babies and small humans that we come out as kind of a thing. Great. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. So he says, ego arises when your sense of beingness, of I am, which is formless consciousness, gets mixed up with form. This is the meaning of identification. This is forgetfulness of being, the primary error, the illusion of absolute separateness that turns reality into a nightmare. So basically, identifying with the ego, things outside of us, our body, makes us feel like we're separate from everything around us, and that's what causes terrible suffering. Okay. Cool. Um. Okay. This is a story about... Jean-Paul Sartre. Thank you. You're welcome. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. I studied French in high school. He looked at Descartes' statement, "I think, think therefore, therefore I, I am. am." Thank you. Very deeply, and suddenly realized, in his own words, the consciousness that says "I am" is not the consciousness that thinks. What did he mean by that? When you are aware that you are thinking. That awareness is not part of thinking. It is a different dimension of consciousness. And it is that awareness that says, I am. If there were nothing but thought in you, you wouldn't even know you are thinking. You would be like a dreamer who doesn't know he is dreaming. You would be as identified with every thought as the dreamer is with every image in the dream. Many people still live like that, like sleepwalkers trapped in old dysfunctional mindsets that continually recreate the same nightmarish reality. When you know you are dreaming, you are awake within the dream. Another dimension of consciousness has come in. So does that explain what I was trying to explain earlier about observing the mind?
0: I'm sure it does to someone. I had forgotten about that.
1: Um, it kind of does.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Uh huh. I like his analogy of when you know you are dreaming, you're awake within the dream. Yeah. I, I love that. Of it's thinking, a whole other like,
0: state of consciousness.
1: Yeah. So once I'm aware that I have thoughts and am thinking, I'm kind of awake in this state. Um, so he goes on to talk about a ton of stuff about the ego. Um, he talks about complaining is one of the ego's favorite strategies for strengthening itself. Every complaint is a little story the mind makes up that you completely believe in. Whether you complain aloud or just in your mind, it makes no
0: difference. Uh, that, that makes sense to me. And I'm sorry. As a quick side note, your hair looks fantastic. Really? What's, it's a doing. I don't know, but it looks gorgeous. And I just had to say it. <laughs> Ego aside. Thank you for saying that. I'm identifying
1: with my hair right now. Yeah. Um, also, I do you
0: feel the life essence in your hair.
1: I'm feeling the dead end. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I almost washed it fresh this morning, and then was like, I don't have time. I'm just going to dry shampoo for for the second day in a row.
0: It fucking looks great. Cheap dry Guys, shampoo from TJ If Max. you could see, you you would know. Thank and you. now you know. Okay, thank Keep you going.
1: um, okay, so he's talking about how we blame other people, how we complain. he He really breaks down the ego because he wants you the more you're aware of it. He wants you to hate your ego, not hate because that's a judgment. we don't he doesn't he doesn't subscribe to judging. <laughs> I don't
0: know. He comes pretty close in a very wordy a roundabout okay. way. Here we go. We're gonna make some headways. uh headway uh uh, uh, uh. I, I saw the pun there headway.
1: Thank you. it's all about the ego. Thank you. Sometimes the fault that you perceive in another human being isn't even there. It is a total misinterpretation, a projection by a mind conditioned to see enemies and to make itself right or superior. Sure. Right? At other times, the fault may be there, but by focusing on it, sometimes to the exclusion of everything else, you amplify it and what you react to in another... You strengthen in yourself.
0: Yes. I said, mean, we've all um, heard that, like, snap. most often what bothers us about other people is something that bothers yes. us on ourselves. Thank
1: you. Um, he says sometimes it becomes obvious that the ego doesn't really want to change so that it can go on complaining. Because the ego, basically, I, I can probably sum up the next few chapters. The ego's ego is going to try and survive no matter how like uh, with in whatever means necessary. So any time um, you're close to enlightenment or you're getting scared or it holds two ideas that can't be true, uh, it's gonna react in a way that's not gonna serve you. Your ego is it's just a to scared
0: little baby. It's and any time that you do anything that is challenging to it, it's gonna hold on mm-hmm. with talons. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny scared little baby with talons.
1: That's exactly right. Okay, so I have some handwritten notes in here, so I better read this section. Uh, This is uh, from the chapter, The Core of Ego, in the subheading, Being Right, Making Wrong. It may not be immediately apparent how complaining, about say, about a traffic jam, about politicians, about the greedy wealthy or the lazy unemployed, or your colleagues or ex-spouse, men or women, can give you a sense of superiority. Here is why. When you complain, by implication, you are right, and the person or situation you complain about or react against is wrong. And I wrote in all caps, we have a lot of ego in this podcast.
0: (laughs) First of all, I know exactly that I'm superior. That's why I'm complaining. That's right. Because they did it wrong. That's right. Thank you, Lisa. Yes.
1: Uh, (laughs) Uh, i wrote i didn't even want to pick up this book because of ego and i think this is why change and death are so hard yeah they challenge and dismantle our sense of self and ego which then fights to survive yeah because death is about losing a huge part of your identity like you know for me it's like, oh my dad's no longer in the world what the fuck does that mean and that's why it's so terrifying because it's like well my whole sense of safety and what am I and who am I so
0: um, that was a big light bulb moment for me I love that you shared that I, I totally agree with what he's saying and and also, I think that's why complaining is different than when you say, "Here's how I'm feeling about a situation." Yeah, you're absolutely. really identifying with what's happening. Exactly, for
1: you. because you're, and you're allowed to go, "Oh, I feel like that's wrong," or "I was wronged," or "I'm upset that this person did this." But it's, but there's a way to do it with ego and without.
0: Well, on my way here today, as you and I were talking in the car, I told you. That I was mad at the person in front of me who was driving on Melrose at a scant 14 miles an hour. That's right. And you found a beautiful way to positively say it. You said, you have a mouth, you can express it, and I'm here to hear it. I said, isn't that wonderful? (laughs) You have a a mouth. I said, I want to run over this person.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) And then I was laughing. I was like, what have I become? Just a walking (laughs) self-help book. So uh, so he's repeating himself again, but I think it's worth it. The particular egoic patterns that you react to most strongly in others and misperceive as their identity tend to be the same patterns that are also in you, but that you are unable or unwilling to detect within yourself. In that sense, you have much to learn from your enemies. What is it in them that you find most upsetting, most disturbing? Their selfishness? Their greed? Their need for power and control? Their insincerity, dishonesty, propensity to violence, or whatever it may be. Anything that you resent and strongly react to in
0: another is also in you. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Or something that you desperately want, Mm -hmm. I find, right?
1: And he says, only if you mistake it for who you are— can observing it within you be threatening to your sense of Say self. Say that again
0: right now, please.
1: Only if you mistake it for who you are can observing it within your within you be threatening to your sense of self.
0: So if I identify whatever I don't like about them as a label on me, mm-hmm. right? It's who I am mm-hmm. versus just something I experience and not as like a, a part of, it's not me. Yeah. Then it becomes threatening, if if, it, if I make it me, it becomes threatening. But if I am able to observe it and be like, nope, that's my ego. That's just this.
1: Yeah. I also think like if I have a lot of shame because I perceive some part of myself as weak or I'm, I'm weak or I'm this greedy person or I, I, am I, I'm acknowledging some less than stellar quality in myself. Right. It doesn't have to be threatening to your sense of self observing that quality because it's not who you really are right so when you
0: label it as you right like i am i am as opposed to like i'm wow that's something about myself i am love
1: and light and perfect and this is something my ego has created
0: interesting oh that's an interesting phrasing too i I love that because it's even like it's not even me it's just my ego
1: yeah because i think the idea and i'm reading this in a lot of self-help books that we have coming up is we came into this world fucking perfect, and the truth is, the essence of who we are is perfect. We're all great as we are. It's just that at th- least is brushing off a shell, just girl. Thank you. Not can my you, words. These time? are author's words. Oh, I caught it. Thanks. It's in my it's on my <laughs> face now. Um, but it's it's that we get confused and forgetful and entangled with all this other shit along the way and we end up judging ourselves for all of these things that we've bought into and societal well, I mean, ideal and the it's alternative like, is that we stay in diapers and don't have language no, no 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 no. it's not that it's going okay cool we got distracted with all that material bullshit for a while and all the judgments of ourselves let's just go back to the fact that we're fucking awesome and there's kindness and love within us Also,
0: can i stay in diapers and not learn language I'm into it. Okay. If
1: you can unlearn a language, I'll be very impressed. Uh-huh. Um, okay. The primary cause of unhappiness is never the situation, but your thoughts about it. Sure. About any situation. Sure.
0: Be- As Shakespeare said, nothing is either good or bad, only thinking makes it so.
1: Thank you. Look at you, you're so fancy. Uh, Be aware of thoughts you were thinking. Separate them from the situation, which is always neutral, which always is as it is. Instead of making up stories, stay with the facts. For example, I am ruined is a story. It limits you and prevents you from taking effective action. Quote, I have 50 cents left in my bank account, end quote, is a fact. Facing facts is always empowering. Be aware that what you think to a large extent creates the emotions that you feel. Yeah. See the link between your thinking and your emotions. Rather than being your thoughts and emotions, be the awareness behind them.
0: I remember when Oprah was first covering this book, um, or maybe his, uh, 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 maybe it was a new, not a new earth, but the power Power of Now. now. Maybe, or it was something. But the one that stuck with me, mm-hmm. and it was when she said, "Did your ex husband rip your heart out of your chest, or did you get a divorce that you didn't expect? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like how are you talking about it? Right. How are you labeling it? Right, right." Um, and and I was, I thought I, that stuck with me.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Oprah. Thanks, Oprah. Um, he says, "Don't seek happiness." If you seek it, you won't find it because seeking is the antithesis of happiness. Happiness is ever elusive, but freedom from unhappiness is attainable now by facing what is rather than making up stories about it. Unhappiness covers up your natural state of well-being and inner peace, the source of true happiness. Okay. Okay. We're doing great. Oh, uh, I wonder what this says because next to this highlighted paragraph, I wrote FUCK in all caps. Let's see. Conscious parenting. Many children harbor hidden anger and resentment toward their parents, and often the cause is inauthenticity in the relationship. The child has a deep longing for the parent to be there as a human being, not as a role, no matter how conscientiously that role is being played. You may be doing all the right things and the best you can for your child, but even doing the best you can is not enough. In fact... Doing is never enough if you neglect being. The ego knows nothing of being but believes you will eventually be saved by doing. Hmm, that rings true.
0: Damn. If
1: you are in the grip of the ego, you believe that by doing more and more, you will eventually accumulate enough doings to make yourself feel complete at some point in the future. You won't. You will only lose yourself in doing.
0: I see why you wrote fuck. Fuck.
1: Yeah, that's my heart of darkness, you guys. Okay, the secret of happiness. Um, he says, there are three words that convey the secret of the art of living, the secret of all success and happiness. One with life. Oh. Being one with life as being one with the now. You then realize that you don't live your life, but life lives you. Oh. Life is the dancer and you are the dance.
0: This sounds a little...
1: I told you it toggles back and forth between being practical and very straightforward. So when I say one with
0: life, I'm reminded that I don't live life. Life lives me. And what the fuck does that mean?
1: I think he's saying like, okay, you're an improv person. Play the scene you're in, right? So so basically like instead of you trying to live life in control, it, whatever, if you're just in the moment, sure. it's going to unfold. Now it's that makes happen.
0: perfect sense. I
1: love it. Thank we should, you. we'll do um, the Misty and Lisa edition. The crib notes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> So we're still talking about the ego, and now we're on to violence, which he does address. Okay. Violence is a primitive but still very widespread way in which the ego attempts to assert itself, to prove itself right and a, and another wrong. With very unconscious people, aka people who are not awakened, uh, arguments can easily lead to physical violence. Uh-huh. What is an argument? Two or more people express their opinions and those opinions differ. Each person is so identified with the thoughts that make up their opinion that those thoughts harden into mental positions which are invested with a sense of self. In other words, identity and thought merge. Once this has happened, when I defend my opinions, I feel and act as if I were defending my very self. Unconsciously, I feel and act as if I were fighting for survival, and so my emotions will reflect this unconscious belief. They become turbulent. I am upset, angry, defensive, or aggressive. I need to win at all costs lest I become annihilated. That's the illusion. The ego doesn't know that mind and mental positions have nothing to do with who you are because the ego is the unobserved mind in itself. In Zen, they say, don't seek the truth. Just cease to cherish opinions.
0: I'm going to say this. Sure. I feel like Sunday morning pundit shows. Mm-hmm. Are exactly what he just said. Yes. And that our identity politics are mm-hmm. really getting into that. Yes. And this divisive nature that we're talking about, this chasm that's widening between um, our political parties in the country, are that we are exactly that identity. Yes. That our politics are our identity, and that's why we're fighting so hard for them. That's right. Second note, I feel like Cory Booker has read A, a New Earth and just gets
1: Oh, he's so graceful. I know, right? Okay. We're going to come to a stopping place, I think, in just a second, because oh. the
0: first half no, of- Sav is nodding. He agrees. He's like, yes, that's right. Let's stop.
1: <laughs> because the first the first half of this book is really just about the ego, identifying, disentangling, becoming aware, because that's, that is the major step in this new consciousness yes. that will create this whole new earth, according yes. to him. So um, here is the last thing- I'll, I will say, about the ego. Okay. And, and by the way, we're on page 124. So we're almost halfway through. That's right. Exactly. So the ego and illness. An illness can either strengthen or weaken the ego. If you complain, feel self-pity, or resent being ill, your ego becomes stronger. It also becomes stronger if you make the illness part of your conceptual identity, like, quote, I am a sufferer of such and such a disease, end quote. Ah, So now we know who you are. Some people, on the other hand, who in normal life have a big ego, suddenly become gentle and kind and much nicer people when they are ill. They may gain insights they may never have had in their normal life. They may access their inner knowing and contentment and speak words of wisdom. Then, when they get better, energy returns, and so does the ego. And I wrote, this made me think of people who are (laughs) gluten-free.
0: Now, I will note that you said gluten-free, not gluten-like allergic.
1: That's right. Uh-huh. Right. Because, because
0: of the for the 1% of the population well, <laughs> that is gluten intolerant.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And that's absolutely real. It's just I, I have several people in my life who cannot tell me that they baked or ate something without telling me it's gluten-free and they really identify with that in their ego as like part of their... You've heard that joke. ...illness. Uh, uh, The vegan and the CrossFit. (laughs) A vegan,
0: a CrossFit, and a paleo person walk into a bar and how do you know? Because they told everybody within the first three seconds. Yeah,
1: it's like if someone is vegan, CrossFit, and paleo, which one do you think they'll bring up first? (laughs) That's
0: the one I heard. Also, if you're a listener and you're any of those things
1: congratulations we love you um so we are halfway through the book so uh we we on the next episode we are going to hop into chapter five five through ten this is one through four and we're gonna get into the pain body and the transformative experience so
0: okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna Put a pen in it. I'm gonna have you put a put this one random right here, so we know where to stop. Here's the you have a bookmark, the pain body. So Misty, I'm gonna just bring up a couple questions, not for the whole book, but for this part about the ego. Yes. What did you feel like Eckhart Tolle got absolutely right?
1: I identified with almost everything he said okay. about the ego. I mean, it's it's just interesting in thinking about, like, h- why do we have egos? How did they serve us? Sure. Why did they develop? How are they not serving us anymore sure. in, you know, as a society? Is it like an Sophisticated, <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. What do you think he got wrong? This is a tough read. I mean, yeah. I really enjoyed this. Uh Ultimately, because I was being still and because a ton of what he said was resonating. And I was really surprised. I went into this book being ready to be like, I'm not that spiritual. Yeah. I don't. I had all sorts of preconceived notions. Yeah. And it still really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, this is not a beginner self-help book
0: at It doesn't sound like it.
1: All. And it is, I think, for a lot of people going to be a fucking chore. <laughs> I, I'm i serious. I'm sorry, Why are you laughing? I did not expect that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, but for me, I feel like I'm at a place in my self-growth where I'm open to receiving this information and holding these ideas Well, as he would say, you're myself. ready for
0: it. You're available. But maybe
1: not 100%. I mean, I feel like this is a book that you could read. 10 times and get different things out of. It's very okay. dense.
0: Um, uh, question. Yeah. Um, since we're not gonna do homework, since we're halfway between, yeah. Is there anything that you started applying from this ego portion right away?
1: I have basically just started becoming aware of my ego. Okay. A little bit more. Uh and just seeing, like, when does it flare up? So, for instance, it's like in traffic, if somebody cuts me off. Uh-huh. So, he, I think he actually talks about this. It's like, if you are. If, if this is the reason why like somebody will violently cut me off I will honk at them and they'll flick me off even though yeah. like I'm not in the wrong right. I was defensively driving it's because this ego flares up and you feel like someone's attacking your character it's I don't know it's really interesting just becoming more aware of it okay that's yeah. cool
0: yeah well I'm gonna invite people um, as they wait for part two this is like a if you're old school TV watcher what mm-hmm. happens right now is it fades to black and it says to be continued yeah and you're like, what? Yeah, um, I'm sure you were on the edge of your seat. <laughs> I mean, we told you it was going to happen. Um, uh, but if in the interim you have read A New Earth mm. and you want to tell us uh, uh, what you think yeah. or if what we've talked about resonates with you in terms Or if of you're ego, like Misty.
1: That the, you got it all wrong this is not anything <laughs>
0: or if you're like <laughs> everything Lisa everything you're saying about the book is wrong shut up and listen it's so clear the way he writes it yeah um,
1: and also definitely head to the Super Soul Sunday podcast where Eckhart Tolle himself is sitting with Oprah answering listener questions I think we do a
0: better job um, <laughs> I'm also gonna say um, now would be a great time to also write us a review um, not just uh, give us that beautiful five star rating but write a review on how how uh, you enjoy our our podcast we did get one one star rating and to that person i say Yes,
1: we did. We did. And and we I got, got a really rating. excited I because did too. I was like, someone hated it so much that I thought, this is awesome. <laughs>
0: um, but it, it, when you when you rate and when you review, mm. it really helps us reach a greater audience, um, and, and so that they can be confused about this book too,
1: <laughs> so that they can go, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Too, so that we're all in this together.
0: <laughs> so um, uh, please do that, and and also uh, check out our podcast. Uh, excuse me, our our. Instagram posts, our Facebook, all that great stuff. Um, and all that's going to come up just now. But please, please hang around um, on on, on bated breath over the next six Thank days you. until part two of A New Earth.
1: A New Earth. Um, A New Porth. And until then, life, life is, is abundant. abundant.